It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is presented by Minnesota's very own Ticket King. For tickets for an upcoming game or concert, visit TicketKingOnline.com or a quick link from the 1500ESPN.com sports calendar page. TicketKingOnline.com, 612-341-4141. The following is a Podcast One Minnesota production. For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings, we present Bonus Chatter. Bonus chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered, and uninterrupted. This is another edition of 1500 ESPN's Purple Podcast. Welcome to the final Wednesday edition of the Purple Podcast for the 2016 season. The Minnesota Vikings, of course, playing their final game of the season on Sunday against the Chicago Bears. Their playoff hopes have been extinguished. They will finish the season just trying to get back to 500, and as such, we will probably spend more time today looking back at the season that was than the game that is coming up. I'm Ben Gesslick from ESPN, joined by Matthew Collar, 1500 ESPN and 1500ESPN.com. We will spend the better part of our podcast today, like I said, looking back at this season. We'll probably spend the next couple of months looking back at this season, but uh, it's never too soon to start assessing this bizarre uh, this tumultuous, this, um, well, uh, dumpster fire is probably <laughs> a little strong, but uh, uh, fire in a barrel, maybe? Yeah, some, some sort of season. fire. Maybe it's a trash fire. Uh, I thought it was interesting that Captain Munnerlin said in the locker room that he has never had a season like this at any point uh, in his career. Maybe some veteran Vikings could top it by a little bit, from 2010, but this has to be one of the weirdest seasons of any of the players' careers who were in that locker room all season long. Yeah, I uh, you have been pushing all season for this one to be uh, ranked fairly highly on the list of weird Vikings campaigns. Uh, I am not whatsoever going to accept a few loose panels on U.S. Bank Stadium as being tantamount <laughs> to a collapsed roof in 2010. <laughs> I do, however, think the events of last weekend when you had the plane going off the runway and then uh, the events of Saturday and what I uh, called on the radio yesterday Rogue One series. Very clever. Uh, yeah, I thought it was. I, it was a spur of the moment uh, shot of inspiration. So uh just decided to go with it. I think we are now past 2014, given the fact that 2014 was mostly about Adrian Peterson's suspension. And the, the run-up to that, of course, was the Chris Cluey versus the Vikings stuff, but I don't know that you really put that in the 2014 season so much as just a, an accessory to, I guess, 2012, 2013, whatever it would have been. But I'm willing to put it ahead of 2014. I still don't think 
2001 when Corey Stringer died, 2005 with The Love Boat, or 2010 with everything that happened that year. I don't think those things can be topped. But, yes, it has been a very long and strange trip, and uh, we will certainly spend plenty of time assessing it. One of the big topics today, uh, speaking of one of the big stories of the season, Pat Shermer, of course, replacing Norv Turner as the offensive coordinator after the the first time the Vikings faced the Bears when they got beat on Halloween night in one of the flattest games they've played all season. Pat Shermer, of course, facing the Bears for the first time this week. Sam Bradford got asked today if he thought Sam uh, thought Pat Shermer should be the offensive coordinator on a full-time basis, if he thought he should get the interim title removed. Bradford said, I'd be all for it, which makes sense given his relationship with Shermer. But what do we think as far as uh, Pat Shermer's future here? I go a little back and forth on this one because I fully advocated that change of going away from Norv Turner, however it may have come about, resignation, firing, whatever way you want to look at it. I was totally for that. The decision to go back to the Norv Turner classic style offense was a very bad one. And if they just had taken care of business in that game against a really, really, really awful Chicago Bears team, we might be sitting here talking about whatever playoff scenarios remained for the Minnesota Vikings, if there would still be any. I don't know if there would be, but either way, like maybe. That and a Blair Walsh extra point the next week would put them in the driver's seat in the division. Yeah, maybe things are quite different. If And really, in that Philadelphia game, we look at that like a butt whooping, but I mean, there were opportunities in that game to win, too. It wasn't just that Philadelphia dominated them. They forced a bunch of turnovers in that game. They had their chances. There was a pick in the end zone. There were a couple of different things that happened, but a lot of it came from trying to go back to those seven-step drops to throw the ball in deep developing routes. And those two losses end up, in hindsight, looking very, very costly. Uh, But with Shermer, the offense has not done a whole lot better in terms of actually putting up points. No, although Mike Zimmer did point out today that they've been better. I thought it was interesting that he felt uh, compelled to bring that up. Indeed. And he said, oh, well, all the statistics point to being better. And I would say yes, but I think there was no better example ever than on Saturday how deceiving statistics can be in the NFL. Yeah. Because when you look at that game on Saturday, if you watched it yourself, you would have walked away going, boy, another stinker from the Vikings offense. They just could not compete in a game where Aaron Rodgers is on the other side. They went into the fourth quarter. or At some point in the fourth quarter, it's 31-13. They've done almost nothing in that game outside of one big pass to Adam Thielen. And yet, at the end of the game, it's 382 yards, three touchdowns, no picks for Sam Bradford, and 110 quarterback rating. Sorry, I just don't see that as a good offensive performance, though, which is what your ESPN friends invented QBR for, by yes. the way, which I, I actually do like that as a statistic. Anyway, getting just getting bringing around the point is that quarterback rating, completion percentage, all those things might be good, but the actual offense has just given them no chance in too many games and I know there's a lot of offensive line issues that have happened here, but I think that also points to the offensive coordinator too. Well, there are a lot of there's a lot of parsing you have to do with the offensive statistics this year, given the players they've lost, given what they've had to overcome on the offensive line, given the fact that a lot of Sam Bradford's numbers have been in games where you are either trying to compensate for the lack of a pass protection unit uh, in case of his completion percentage, and then certainly in the case of his yards. 
in a game where the Packers called off the dogs and you're trying to catch up. I, I actually thought they moved the ball. I mean, they had a couple drives early in that game, the one to Brad, uh, one to Thielen, and then I felt like there were a couple other drives where they moved the ball. The, the, the problem, as usual, was that they couldn't put it in the end zone. The Packers were scoring touchdowns while the Vikings were kicking field goals. But for a while there in the first half, it was it was kind of back and forth. It was not, however, 380-something yards or whatever it was that Sam Bradford threw for. That definitely is deceiving, and it, it certainly comes about because the Packers get into a mode where, oh, just we're just trying not to give up big plays over the top, and we allow completions underneath because that keeps the clock moving. Those numbers are not representative completely of where the offense is at. I mean, Sam Bradford has an outside chance to reach 4,000 yards for the season. The Vikings as a team can reach 4,000 yards passing for the season this weekend, but when you do it the way they've done it, it's harder to feel like, yes, this is as prolific a passing game as the the raw numbers would lead you to believe that it might be. Yeah, and 4,000 yards is not what it used to be. No, it's I mean, not. Most teams are able to get to 4,000 yards yep. now passing, and the interceptions, yeah, there's uh, they have not turned the ball over very often. Sam Bradford is not throwing it to the other team. However, there has to be some culpability for him in the strip sacks, the number of strip sacks that they've had. I know T.J. Clemmings is the number one reason, yeah. but he's also standing at a certain depth and can't move, and I watched Aaron Rodgers, and I know it's a tough comparison because you're <laughs> talking about one of the greatest ever versus a guy. But Aaron Rodgers moving his protection in certain ways and moving his body in certain ways to give his receivers time to get open and things like that. So that that brings me to there are shortcomings of this quarterback that we've seen. Yeah. That Sam Bradford is not a terrible quarterback by any means. He's not a Christian ponder that just cannot play in the league, really. But at the same time, he has his own limitations. Mobility is one of them. Also, I would say gutsiness is another that it's making sure he's getting rid of the ball. It's not throwing very often into a double coverage situation. It's not forcing it down the field on a third down with the game on the line. They're down by a ton of points the other day on third and 10, and it's a check down. Yeah. And it just, there have been a bunch of times where that's happened, and the same thing happened in Indianapolis. And you're not going to ever come back in a game that way. It's like if your defense is playing great, and all you need to do is make sure you don't entirely royally screw everything up Sam Bradford might be your quarterback if you're down by 14 points and you need a comeback then maybe he's not really your guy so there's also that part of it too there's Sam Bradford has a a decent skill set but is a limited quarterback it's gotten good stats out of him for the most part the one that drives me nuts though I don't know if this is the offensive coordinator or Bradford this is what makes it hard that Bradford averages six yards a pass on yeah. third down, yeah. which is the third lowest in the entire NFL, and yeah. I think Blake Bortles is below him. A lot of a lot of throws short of the sticks. Yeah, I mean, that, that has been an issue, and it's one of those things where there is a lot of time where they're playing not to lose, and that works when you're ahead. It works when your defense is playing the way that it has for good stretches of the year, but when you get in those situations where you have to get into a shootout, they still aren't really capable of doing that. It is. I mean, the hard thing here is, and this is going to be the question they have to answer, is how much of this season for both Bradford and Shermer do you grade on a curve given the fact that you put Shermer into the offense in November and basically said you can kind of tweak some things, and he already had probably tweaked some things from the North Turner approach when he got here, but it's not really going to be your offense. Sam Bradford, you're coming in. 
you have to get ready in a week and a half. You didn't have OTAs. You didn't have mini camp. You didn't have training camp. You, you weren't here for any of the installation stuff. And you've got to get used to this and be ready to roll right away. I mean, and you don't have an offensive line. You don't have Adrian Peterson. When you have Adrian Peterson, he doesn't look like Adrian Peterson. And you have this rookie first-round pick that has been a non-factor and was not practicing once again today. I, I mean, I feel like you have to grade it on a curve t- to some degree, and, and I think we are going to see Sam Bradford as the quarterback again next year. I would expect that they will at least give Pat Shermer a chance to mold this thing the way he wants to do it. I, I think the fact that they brought him in tells you that they believed he was going to possibly be the next guy. So I would tend to think that they're going to give him a chance to do the job. But how much he grade this year on a curve is is the the big question with Bradford. It's certainly fair to ask that. Yeah. Uh, although, I mean, you had weeks and weeks now. You're working, and you that 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 would be like a bye week thing where you'd want to make a change, but they didn't, so they waited two weeks after the bye week. So well, there was no reason to make a change at the bye week. Everything was fine. Right. You're you're five and zero. Oh. That was the last time everything was fine. Um. Although, if there had been any sort of internal headbutting before that, yeah, even which going, there had been. Right. Even going way back to yeah. last year, then maybe. Um, Headbutting, as I understand it, with Turner and Zimmer in some ways. Yeah, definitely last year and, and probably even the the roots of it go back to 2014. Yeah, if we were asking what uh, the biggest mistakes that have been made that led to where we are now, maybe the fact that Zimmer did not make a change in the offseason at offensive yeah. coordinator to Pat Shermer, that's also what would make me think that I, I say there's a very high percentage chance Pat Shermer's back yep. because Zimmer wanted him here. Yeah, either Zimmer or Spielman. Right, yes. Somebody wanted him here, he, yes. He was wanted to be here. Yes. And it probably wasn't because he's the most exceptional tight end coach that ever existed. Because probably not. Because his background is so extensive with offense, as being an offensive coordinator, uh, that that's what he was probably here for, yes. or at least to have that influence. Do you consider him a creative offensive coordinator? Boy, it's it's really hard to answer that, because if you base it on... What he was doing in Philadelphia, sure, but I don't really attribute that to him as much as Chip Kelly. And was he brought in because he was open-minded enough to say, I can take this Chip Kelly offense and then make it work? Yeah, I mean, maybe. Um, you know, I, I think if his roots more in traditional West Coast stuff, and, and I, you know, you certainly have a lot of variations of that in the NFL in this day and age. I mean, the Packers are considered a West Coast offense. The Vikings are in some ways considered a West Coast offense now, and those two things do not look that similar. I mean, there are, there are certain routes, but there's a lot of difference based on the personnel they have, obviously. So I, do I consider them to be creative? Um, I, I guess it's hard to go that route with it necessarily. Um, I don't think he's a bad offensive coordinator, but I don't know that he's going to be cutting edge. I, I don't know that you need cutting edge. I, I think – I'm not sure that I would call Mike McCarthy and uh, a great coordinator or even a great play caller. I, I don't think – I mean, you could debate that, but a lot of it is personnel. And and the it, the big issues I have here are personnel more so than scheme. I, I tend to come down on the side of 
give me the players over the the scheme every time because the players are what win and lose. Well, I look at uh, Detroit as a good example of a team that had certain personnel and they had kind of had. I mean, okay, so Megatron was there and he's you know then re- retires. Yep. So that makes a, a little bit of a change there. But weapons had had weapons had had some capable other wide receivers other than Megatron that then they loved to throw the ball a lot and just hadn't had a lot of success in part because it just didn't fit Matt Stafford's skill set, I think. Uh, Just launching the ball and trying to be accurate down the field all the time, too. So they went to this short passing game that includes getting the ball to Golden Tate in a lot of screens and things like that. Theo Riddick. Right, and and Theo Riddick out of the backfield. And all of a sudden, Matt Stafford has this great revival as a quarterback and has a chance now to win the division. So I I think what it says is if you have Aaron Rodgers – you could just p- draw plays in the dirt, and Aaron Rodgers would probably do pretty well. You could have me or you just say, you know what, uh, just have this guy run long, this guy underneath, and then you kind of figure out the rest. Because he's just brilliant and unbelievably good. And maybe that's oversimplifying it, but I think that when it's the elite, elite, elite quarterbacks, it's hard to screw up. But there's only two or three or four of those guys in the entire NFL. Sam Bradford is not one of those guys. Correct. So if you have Sam Bradford, then I think your creativity level has to be higher. It can't be one of those things where they know it's coming, you know it's coming, and you beat them. It's not a, the Cowboys have this offensive line, and you know they're going to run a zone run, and they line up in the same way every time, and they just bull you over. And Zeke just shoots the gap, and he gets 10 yards, and that's that's their offense, right? Well, the Vikings can't do that with Sam Bradford and the weapons they have, which are solid wide receivers, but they don't have Julio Jones. You could just throw it up to in double coverage and he's going to catch it. It's there has to be elements of you don't know what's coming. And I think if I was going to have a criticism of Shermer, even though his philosophy was much more on point than North Turner's, it would be. I don't know if there was a lot of never saw that coming outside of one reverse where they flipped it back to uh, Sam Bradford and they got a call. Yeah, I I mean, I I think to a degree creativity can get you somewhere for a while. I mean, it did in Philadelphia for a while, but I I don't know that any of it is ever going to get you over the top consistently because we've even seen it with the Vikings now where, the, you know, the double leg gap blitz that nobody knew how to deal with for a while, whether it's that or whether it's, you know, offenses that have come and gone, read option, wildcat. I mean, all of these things that come in that, oh, this is the most cutting-edge thing ever, even if some of it is wing T that has been given a new name and, and gussied up for the modern NFL. People figure out ways to stop those things. Defenses catch up. I I always think that, in the end, personnel is more sustainable than scheme. So... What do you do? I mean, the question we're asking here is, what do you do when you don't have the personnel? You have to you have to adapt. But I I guess I always kind of come down on the side of the scheme can only take you so far. And a perfect example of that is the guy that was here before Norv Turner that everybody hated, that everybody wanted out of town, Bill Musgrave. Mm-hmm. He's in Oakland now. He's got Derek Carr. He's got Amari Cooper. He's got a really good offensive line. That's one of the best offenses in the NFL, and now he looks like a great coordinator. Is he a great coordinator? Is he a terrible coordinator? Probably somewhere in the middle. I mean, he he got 380-something points out of a Christian Ponder-led offense, but he also had Percy Harvin and Adrian Peterson. So 
and a pretty good offensive line. So, I mean, how much of that is on him versus the players? I always tend to think that players make coaches more than coaches make players. I might look at this like uh, in you were a Madden player, right? You would yeah. have played Madden back yeah. in the day. Uh, so when you used to go season to season, yep. that your guys would get boosted, right? So right. maybe you'd have Christian Ponder started out as a 76, but if you had a good year with him, he'd be an 80, right? Yeah. So uh, the way I would look at this is NFL players, NFL quarterbacks, you are what you are for your number. Let's say Sam Bradford's an 80. Just throw that yeah. number out there. But who can get him to an 84 or a 76, right? Under Norv Turner, he's a 76 because he's getting him sacked all the time with seven-step drops, and it doesn't fit his uh, his skill set and yeah. how he works out best. Yeah. And what was Pat Shermer? Was Pat Shermer just getting an 80 out of him, which is kind of how I think of it, that he wasn't destroying Sam Bradford, but was he getting him to go a, a little bit above what his level, normal level would be? And the example I would use for this would be Alex Smith, that Alex Smith's level of what he is is pretty mediocre, I think, as an yeah. NFL quarterback. And Andy Reid, who Pat Shermer used to work with, and sure. could give you some confidence yeah. for doing this, has used a lot of creativity on offense – and gotten just that extra little percentage points out of Alex Smith to win a lot of games with a quarterback that we know just is not all that good in Kansas City. Yeah, but the the window for that is going to be limited. I mean, yes, they're doing creative things now, but once teams have an offseason to watch tape, they're going to catch up to Alex Smith too. So some of it, I think, is being able to hit on that thing that people don't know how to adjust to in that little window of yes. time where – okay, this is new, and do we have everything else we need to win? And and you could argue with this defense that maybe that is the case. If if you can get that, that thing, that schematic twist with Sam Bradford that maximizes him, may, yeah. I mean, to use that example, it maybe takes him to an 84. He's not going to be a 95 no. ever. And there are not many quarterbacks that are in in the modern NFL. There are a couple, and – Unless you have one of those, I mean, you have two approaches here. You can either try to make the best of it with a guy like that, which is where most teams are going to have to be, or you can keep swinging until you get the guy that's going to be a 95. And that's a lot harder to do, especially when you, you know, this year don't have a first round pick. And in a lot of years, you're not picking high enough to get that guy. So, I mean, yes, yeah, some of it is finding the scheme that works best for the quarterback. I mean, I think. You see that across the NFL. I mean, did Aaron Rodgers make it work because he was in the right offense? Probably to some degree. Um, you know, I, I think there's a lot of things with his mechanics that you read that got better in the three years that he had to sit. I mean, he had time to learn from a, a Hall of Fame quarterback and, and had time to kind of go through more rigorous mechanical overhauls, and, and that helped him get where he is. But So that certainly helped, but there are only I, I think incremental improvements are probably what you're going to get from coaches I I still tend to think in the end the best way to win sustainably which Mike Zimmer was talking about today is to have a really freaking great quarterback and <laughs> yeah. short of that you're kind of trying to uh, you know fill in the gaps as you go yep you mentioned windows we talked about it a little bit last week but that's it right if you have Ben Roethlisberger who Wow, on Christmas Day. Yeah. Just wow, Ben Roethlisberger. We were talking about this off the air, but, man, that that guy, for years I was like, ah, the numbers aren't that great. He's kind of unorthodox. But the longer I've watched him, like, it, I always kind of forget about him because he is unorthodox. But he needs to be in that conversation of the, the guys that you can win with every year, Brady, Rodgers, 
Breeze, I tend to put there, though they haven't put much around him lately. And Roethlisberger has to be in that conversation. Yeah. yeah. He's there's, fantastic. There's only four or five. Yeah. And I think Eli he, Manning I would not put there. No, I wouldn't I wouldn't put him there either. Eli Manning uh, versus – He's got two rings. Eli but. Manning versus Sam Bradford is sort of an interesting conversation, though, because Eli Manning is a good example in my mind of a guy who, uh, when there were great things around him, he won. Yeah. And has a high ceiling of talent. And in the right scheme, he won. And in the wrong scheme, he threw 27 interceptions one year and just had this abominable season. And I would look at Sam Bradford a lot the same way. Now, can Sam Bradford lead a Super Bowl-winning drive? I don't know about that. I have a lot of questions about if Sam Bradford can make a big play when called upon, where Eli Manning will kind of go for it, and sometimes it ends up like the Brett Favre style and Favre just being more talented. The helmet catch. Just like, hey, right, but that's just going for it, and sometimes it works out that it's a classic NFL play, and sometimes it works out a horrible interception. With Sam Bradford, that's a dump off to the tight end. Sure. It's just that's kind of what you're dealing with there is that he is – kind of obsessed with making the right play all the time and if he does take a risk and interception it seems to really bother him so I don't know if you're ever going to get any more of that out of him but I would be interested to to tie it back into Pat Shermer though I would be interested to see a full offseason with them together of Bradford and Shermer and what they might be able to come up with to add a little more creativity to what they have because for me it's been your your classic style West Coast offense, which with Ben Roethlisberger running it, if it had been him, you probably would have been putting up 25 or 30 points a game. But with no offensive line and Sam Bradford running it, it was a pretty poor offense, even under Shermer. Here's the reason why I ultimately think Shermer is going to be back and probably a little bit of why I think he should get a chance at it. We're talking about all of these quarterbacks that are great every year. The other thing with these quarterbacks that are great every year, and it's a chicken or egg thing, are they great every year so the coach gets to keep his job, or are they great every year because they're in the same scheme? Whatever it is, we do not see quarterbacks deal with what Sam Bradford has dealt with where he's playing for all these different teams, all these different coaches going from West Coast to Air Coriel to NASCAR offense to back to Air Coriel sort of to back to West Coast sort of. I mean – you don't see quarterbacks have to deal with that very much because the great ones don't leave their teams. They mm-hmm. play the whole career in one place. In the case of Brady, in the case of Rodgers, really in the case of Breeze because he's been with Sean Payton the whole time, and effectively in the case of Roethlisberger because he's basically had Mike Tomlin all but you know a couple of years when Bill Cowher was still there, you don't see these guys have to go and relearn things. So Sam Bradford is in an odd spot there, and that is ultimately why I think – it does make sense to give Shermer another shot because the closest thing Sam Bradford's had to a constant in his NFL career is Pat Shermer. Do you give him more time to say, hey, let's see if we can mold something with what we have here that works, or do you once again tell Sam Bradford, okay, you got to learn something new, knowing that Sam Bradford probably goes into the 2017 season as your quarterback. If you are trying to get to a point where you have some state of normalcy around here with this offense, which it's been a long time since we've had that, that would be one of the big reasons to keep Pat Shermer, in my opinion. I think that's probably a a great reason to keep him, is is what you're trying to find out next year with the contract situation. Assuming that they don't just go out and sign Bradford to a long-term contract in the offseason, which I see 
is a not a good move. Yeah, you it, could wait. I mean, you, you could fr- whether it's franchise tag or go the Joe Flacco route. You I, could I, wait. Yeah, I heard you talking on the air the other day about the Joe Flacco route, and I think that's probably the best way to go yeah. for this team is – yeah, it's never great to have a quarterback going into his free agent year, but in this case, especially with Teddy Bridgewater's health and where that may go with his knee, how he might recover. I mean, if, to- if Teddy Bridgewater is back to 100%, let's say the knee just bounces back Adrian Peterson style and he heals fast and he's just good to go, uh, then maybe you're looking at it as if Bradford is what he was this year, you're going to turn back to Teddy Bridgewater in, in 2018 or in the second half of next season, or whatever it may be. But if Teddy Bridgewater does not recover the same way, then you would maybe say Sam Bradford's going to have to be our long-term quarterback because we're not drafting number one overall next year. I I wouldn't look at them as a team that is anywhere close to being a tank team or something like the Chicago Bears that's just a disaster in their roster. Got a lot of great pieces going forward that should... Uh, be in the playoff hunt for next year, just just trying to project down the road with the quarterback situation. So if there's a chance, maybe even a good chance, Sam Bradford is your five-year quarterback, then yes, you want him in an offense that he can finally get comfortable with. So what you can know by the end of next year is, is this our quarterback or not? Not any excuses for him, because I get a little frustrated sometimes with, well, no one could play well with this offensive line. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I, I can't throw someone else in there and see whether they would play just as well as Sam Bradford, better than Sam Bradford. I do know that his entire career is filled with, well, he didn't have this, or, well, it's been that excuse or this excuse. So you if want to strip that away. Exactly. And I, that was the thing they had to do with Bridgewater. I mean, that was the, the talk we were having with Bridgewater before this year is, well, his offensive line's been terrible, so he's been running for his life. Or, well... He had to tailor the offense to Adrian Peterson when Peterson came back last year. It was, let's fix everything around him so we can know after this year whether he's going to be our guy going forward. That's essentially the same conversation we're having with Bradford. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, just to uh, another thing we wanted to talk about, if you're going to bring Pat Shermer back, you should probably not have him beholden to a certain running back yeah. when he's designing his own offense. Or if you are going to go outside the building for a different offensive coordinator, uh, which I see is unlikely, but if you were, then you wouldn't want to say, yeah, sure, come on in, but you have to make sure Peterson gets his 300 carries. With Adrian Peterson, I think if you're Pat Shermer, you're probably saying to the front office, I, I kind of don't want to have to feel like this guy has to be uh, the center point of our offense. I would rather do it a different way with yeah. my quarterback. Yeah, and Adrian Peterson did not practice again today. Um, I, When he's not practiced four times in a row now, I don't think this is solely because, oh, I'm not healthy enough to play. Hey, guys, it's Phil Mackey from 1500 ESPN and one of the hosts of Sports Over Beers, the original 1500ESPN.com podcast where you find your favorite 1500 ESPN personalities drinking beer and talking sports. Pretty simple. Find it on iTunes, Podcast One, and 1500ESPN.com. I think this is – there's no point in putting you back out there. I, I think there's a very good chance he does not play Sunday. Uh, Bob Holtzman, I think, had somebody tell him that last weekend that that was probably the way that it was going to go, and I would tend to – agree with that 
and I think there's a good chance we've seen the last of him here. Now, I will not rule that out because I remember there were points in 2014 where it seemed like this is not going to work. I mean, this is not going to work for him to come back here. They said they wanted him back, and then he was rebuffing that. Um, you know, I remember him saying that he was uneasy about coming back. I remember you know, having that conversation with him after the Vikings were saying he wanted, they wanted him back, and, and I talked to him, and he said, I don't know that I want to be here. And all of that stuff made you think, okay, is this going to get fixed? And it did, at least for the time being. That said, I, I guess I feel like, especially if Pat Shermer is here, that they're at a point where it makes sense to move on. They can do it fairly cleanly they can kind of reform their identity. I mean, Pat Shermer, you mentioned Andy Reid. In those days with Brian Westbrook, I mean, that's the type of running back that you Mm -hmm. figure in a Pat Shermer offense, a guy that's a little more agile, that's a little more versatile, that you can flex out of the backfield. I mean, what you hope Jarek McKinnon would be, but you want guys that can catch the ball and that don't have to be sitting eight yards deep in the backfield getting the ball all the time. If Peterson is back, it's on a restructured contract, and it's probably in a reduced role. And I I just I have a hard time seeing either of those things be something he's going to be okay with. Part of the reason he was back in 2015 was that schematically they were still at a point where they were willing to give him the keys to the offense. I don't know that they're going to be at that point anymore. I don't think the people that are in charge now are going to be as beholden to him as people were in the past. It's possible that, I mean, you still have Rick Spielman here. You still have the same ownership group. It's possible that there will be the momentum somewhere in there to keep him here. But he's going to have something to say about it, too, because they're going to ask him to restructure his contract, and then he can say yes or no to that. So I I would tend to think that uh, we are maybe headed towards the end here. I look at the, the Ladanian Tomlinson situation of a running back who the organization, even after he had fallen off, felt like he still had to be the centerpiece of the offense. And his worst year, he was averaging like 3.3 yards yeah. per carry yeah. in San Diego. Yep, and with North Turner. They would have been asking him to take a much reduced role there, right? Right. But instead, he chose to sign with the New York Jets and take a much reduced role yep. as kind of the side running back who comes in on third downs and things like that. And he had a nice year with the Jets. I think they went deep in the playoffs that year under Rex Ryan, and he averaged four yards a carry. And it was like a, a nice, happy situation yeah. for LaDainian Tomlinson. Oh, got in deep into the playoffs and played a good role on a Jets team that had a couple other really good players. Was Thomas Jones there maybe at that point? Probably. As yeah. one of the running backs or whatever. They had other running backs who were good, too. I look at it the same way with Adrian Peterson, that having him here in a reduced role – if you're him, probably doesn't go over the yeah, same as it feels if like it's, a slap in the face, right? If it, but if it's the Patriots, then it can be looked at in his mind and from the outside as well as yeah, well that's he's just the Patriot way right. because he just wants to win and might have this might be his last chance and he can go to one of those teams as a last chance to win who uh, maybe has a great quarterback like Derek Carr or like Tom Brady if he decided maybe Oakland would be a place he'd want to go. And you could sort of, like, save face in a way. Yeah. Everybody can feel good. Well, we had a great career with Adrian Peterson uh, here in Minnesota as the front office. Uh, he was a top pick who worked out and will go into the Hall of Fame. Uh, and then he can also say, yeah, I was just trying to win a championship, so yep. I went somewhere else and yep. took a reduced role. Not because I'm not as good as I once was, but because I just wanted to win. And it could kind of be affable for everyone 
if he tries to stick around, you are just like playing with matches he's there. He's going right? to get asked every week about his number of carries. Absolutely. And he's one of the weeks he's going to say something about how he doesn't like it and it's going to make headlines. I I think the Vikings are at a point here where you have this offseason has to be about making some pretty difficult football decisions and you're going to have to be pretty cold about it. There can't be a lot of loyalty to certain people for personal reasons or political reasons. You have so many big decisions coming here that I I think they have to go about it in such a way that we have to make decisions solely on a football basis. And I think if you're doing that, you're much more likely to say, you know what, it makes more sense to spend that money somewhere else and to get a younger guy in here that is more compatible with where we're going on offense than it does to bring Adrian Peterson back here at age 32. I'm not saying that's necessarily what they will do. I think they're certainly is a good chance that they will go that way. I think that's probably the route they should go. But Mike Zimmer is going to be going into year four here, and the perception of him is going to be a lot different, fair or unfair, his fault solely or not his fault. There is going to be a different look at this team than when they were 11-5. and five. They looked like a Super Bowl contender. They were moving into this new stadium. Optimism was as high as it has ever been here at the beginning of this season about this team. You're not going to have that next year. It's going to be well. What went wrong? They finished either seven and nine or eight and eight after starting five and zero. Oh. There is going to be more pressure next year to say they have to get this thing going in the right direction because if they have another bad year and they don't make the playoffs, then you're Mike Zimmer and you've made the playoffs once in four years, and there's going to be a lot more serious questions that you have to answer about your future. So they have to make some pretty hard-headed, cold-blooded football decisions here, and I think. That probably leads more in the direction of saying we got to go in a different direction with the yeah. ground game. The salary cap will be really interesting to talk about yep. once this is all over. We'll podcast on all that because the flexibility they'll have if they get rid of Adrian Peterson is pretty significant. Did you see uh, what over the cap talked about with that yesterday? Yeah, that by they're the, way? the most flexible. They are the most flexible, but they have some of the least cap room right now. I, and they they have a lot of cap room committed for next year. They're in the top ten in terms of the least amount of cap space right now but they're the most flexible why is that yeah adrian peterson adrian Peterson, and probably brian robison too probably could move on from yep. him if they want to yep. but we can get into that uh throughout the off season but mike zimmer's feelings on adrian peterson would be really interesting to know if you were just hanging out with zim yeah you know having a beer or something asking him what he really thinks about it because the way that this is ended, if if there was something in the back of Zimmer's mind that was saying he's a veteran and he's great, which we know that Zimmer overrates players who used to be good. I think that that's one of the things that he does. Uh, the number of snaps against Indianapolis for Chad Greenway might have pointed to that a little bit yeah. uh, at times throughout the year. But so even if he was looking at it throughout this season, what? well, Adrian is still Adrian, man. He's still great. He's still great. Maybe maybe I'll want him back next year. He's still great. The way this thing ended with Adrian, yeah. I think, would stick in Mike Zimmer a lot more than other people, yeah. other players or fans or whatever. It would really stick in him that Peterson came back for a game where they were still in it and revealed it to DJ Ski, our buddy. <laughs> Shout out, DJ Ski. Uh, he'll be getting those, yeah, he'll be getting those shout-outs all offseason long. But that he reveals it. When Zimmer can't stand when players do that, yep. that he reveals what he's playing and then decides after that that, it, not, well, we're pretty much out of the playoffs, so I'm not going to play. And I know they listed a groin injury 
on the injury report. Yeah. So I just want to, in the just the case of being a reporter and having all the information out there, but please. An adductor, right, apparently. Right, just, well, well, that's the fact. We'll have it out there. There was a groin injury also listed, but please. I mean, this is a business decision for Adrian Peterson that he's not going to play in these last two games because he doesn't want to get hurt because he wants to have a future. That would drive Mike Zimmer up the wall. We've seen Adrian Peterson play through so many things over the years and so many times where he says, or he doesn't practice for a couple of days and on Thursday he says, no, nah, I'm fine. I'm going to play. Mm-hmm. I'm not worried about it. The fact that that was not the case last week and that it doesn't appear that's going to be the case this week tells you that something different is going on here. I do not think for a second that this is solely about his health. And, and it shouldn't be at this point. I mean, they have to make decisions based on what the future is going to be, and if he would happen to get hurt at the end of the season and you had that option, then it's that question of, well, do you have to pick it up because he's hurt and you can't let him go, or is his contract technically up unless you pick up the option? That is some. There's some gray area there, but that's probably not a, a conversation you want to be having because that gets the union involved and that gets grievances involved and all of that mess. So in a lot of ways it makes more sense, I think, to just to sit him and then try to – to figure out the way forward from here. But but if there was any part of Zimmer who was still hanging on to the old yeah, AP, yeah. I think he'd be looking at him like, I am tired of this guy. Yeah, I would I would say that is true. Um, should we get to some crappy quarterbacks? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Trying we spent a lot of time. Trying to finish the run here. Trying to run the table. Crappy offense. Speaking and, in the parlance of a not-so-crappy quarterback, uh, as he talked about earlier this season. Uh when Aaron Rodgers was talking about running the table in Green oh, Bay. Yes, yes. Uh, I am trying to run the table. With, <laughs> I, I think we started this game. The inspiration for this game was the Chicago Bears, and we are, of course, finishing it with the Chicago Bears. I am trying to have advanced through every list of crappy quarterbacks from the Vikings opponents really in the entire second half of the season, right? Or running backs in or running wide backs receivers and wide receivers in the case or backup quarterbacks, I think is what we did with the Packers, right? We did, yes, and you so, did a great job with that. Trying so, to bring it all back home in the words of Minnesota native, not that he wants to be known as such, Bob Dylan. Here is the, uh, come on, Bob, we love you here. Anyway, yeah, we love Bob. Bob doesn't really love us. Accept that award, bro. Like, didn't they give him some award for, like, Poet Laureate or something? Yeah, didn't the U of M do that or something? Like, no, like the... Or he got the... Didn't he get a, like uh, a Nobel Prize? Nobel Prize, yeah. yeah. Come on, man. Yeah. You're not even going to go and accept the award? Yeah. There's a level of hipster where you've just gone too far. Well, yeah, Bob Dylan's kind of the original hipster. He, he is. was hipster before yeah. hipster was a thing. Uh, but Prince, now that's a man who knew how to embrace Minnesota. Yes. Anyway. And we loved him back. So there Rest have been peace. 10 quarterbacks to start a game from Chicago since 2008. Okay. And there have been 20 since Jeez, 2000. That's so bad. So if you can get 10, then you survive in advance. And I don't know what survive you advance, advance to. What? Or you win. Well, next year. I, I don't win know. the whole thing. You stay alive. As soon as you can't get it, then it becomes my turn to start doing these how, trivia how many? Cre- well, they play the Browns next year, so there'll be some there. Oh, man. That's going to be a tough one. I'm just trying to think if they're I – mean, but if, I they, like, e- if they open with the Steelers, we're not going to be able to do it. I may have even – we'll figure out something else for them. I, I may have even missed a couple in my count. So there's a ton of quarterbacks here, and uh, we'll just we'll just see how you do. We're going to go back to 2000 because right. there's so many. All right. This will be in no particular order. Jim Miller had that great 2001 season with the Bears, I think, where they went 13-3. and three. 
Yes, that's uh, correct. Jim K- Miller. Cade McNown. Correct, 2000. Oh, Brian Greasy. I'd forgotten that one. Brian Greasy, yes. Brian. Let me, I'm trying to find the year here. That was 2007. That's later than I Six thought. Six games. I'd forgotten about him. Okay, that's three. Uh, Sexy Rexy. Uh, uh, correct. Rex, Rex, Grossman. Ron- Rex Grossman is our quarterback, is how I always remember that. Yes. Uh, Todd Collins. That's five. Uh, Caleb Haney, did he start a game? Um, let's see here. What year would that have been? Well, he was. He almost. He almost came back to beat the Packers in the 2010 NFC title game. I don't did know if not he ever started. start a regular season game. All right, no. fine. Uh, Jay Cutler. That's six. Brian Hoyer. Seven. Matt Barkley. Eight. Uh, Josh McCown. Nine. Uh, this shouldn't be this. There should. Be, oh, Kyle Orton. Uh, that is ten. Now you have. Plenty to go. So you've survived. You've won the game. It's a little bit too easy. I should, have, I should have asked for 75% of these. Uh, well, let's see if I can get that. But let's see if you can get to 20. All 20, huh? Uh, let's see. I might have even There might be more than that. There is a guy. Isn't there a guy with three names? <laughs> Maybe that was back in the Oh, 90s. actually, you know what? Caleb Haney is right in 2011. All right, so that's 11. Sorry about that. That's 11, um, yes. There's so many names to scroll through on my phone. They had another one this year, didn't they? Uh, this Barkley, year, Cutler, no, it's Hoyer. just been just been those three this year. I thought year. Fox did on the conference call today. They had four, but um, man. all right, I can give you hints on no, these. No, just give me a minute here. Um, let's see, Kyle, I said Kyle Orton. The hints um, are so good, though. Is there a Detmer? Uh, there is not a Detmer. Yeah. That that automatically qualifies you for hints. Is Luke McCown right. one of them? No, Luke, okay. only one McCown for this team. You can guess <laughs> a McCown guess two names. every week. A you can guess a McCown. McCown. All right, so this quarterback, like Bill's quarterback Notre probably. Dame quarterback, uh, on draft day. Oh, Jimmy Clausen. Yes, I was going to say several analysts said he would go first overall and was yeah. drafted in the second round. All right, uh, former Brown, Wash, Puzzle played for Washington, also played for the Raiders. Pretty decent quarterback. Former... Um, Bounced around a lot, but really wasn't that bad. Jason Campbell. That's right. Okay. Jason Campbell. There's there are a few of these names that have come up a lot. Yes. With the yes. Redskins, Jason Campbell came How up. How about and then this? The 2004 was a year for Chicago quarterbacks. This uh, quarterback went to Ohio see. State. Had some really good moments at Ohio State. Oh, what's this his is the face? only time he ever started. Uh, Craig Krenzel. That's correct. Uh, I just right. remember him with the the. When they were going to go to the national title game, uh, he threw a pass to Michael Jenkins and the annoying Brent Musburger call. Michael Jenkins, Craig Krenzel, holy Buckeye. <laughs> Sorry for those who had to listen to that. It, that call is just always stuck on my mind. It's super annoying. Um, this one came up in Dallas Crappy Quarterback. Uh, it, yeah. was early, it was the same with 2004. Actually, there are two quarterbacks who have come up previously. This one and then the one I had never heard of from Jacksonville. Uh well Quinn Gray, it wasn't Quinn Gray, but there's a Quinn involved. Jonathan, oh, Jonathan Quinn. Quinn, yes, yes. I've never heard of him. The other one is Chad Hutchinson, who came up. Oh during yeah, the, gosh, they're terrible. Cowboys. Even go trivia. back to the '90s where they had like Steve Walsh and Eric Kramer, and uh, there was another guy. There was a guy with three names. Two more. Uh, two more for you here. Or is there three left? Mike three, Tomzak. We're too far back. For well, that. there's like four. Four left, but this guy. Um. Well, was best known as going from a bit player for a team that went to the Super Bowl to a starting quarterback. Trent Dilfer. 
Bowl. No, no, no. Team that went to the Super Bowl. This guy would have played wide receiver, oh, running Cordell back, Stewart. and then yes, that is Cordell Stewart. He started seven Gosh, games. All these in quarterbacks, you just forget now, washed out there. The next two started in football championships. Okay. That okay. One of them lost the Super Bowl. The other one won the CFL title. Well, Henry Burris. That's correct. Henry Burris. I think I guessed him with the Packers backups, too. He started one game in 2002. The one other one lost a Super started Bowl. Started a Super Bowl. And uh, lost Memorable. It. One of his teammates solicited a prostitute. Ah, uh, uh, yes. The game. Um, that was the Raiders. Who was the Raiders quarterback? That was uh, not the Raiders. Oh, the Falcons. Chris Chandler started for the Bears in this century? Not only that, he started in two different seasons. Oh, my gosh. Six games in 03 and seven games in 2002. May God have mercy on the souls of Bears fans. I mean, you see why they stick with Cutler so long, even though he annoys everybody so much. Like, when it's been this bad, like, I guess I get it. But, man, oh, man. The only other one I have on the list here, I don't have any clues for you with Shane Matthews. I just, I don't. Former uh, Florida Gator. Okay. Was a predecessor to That's in this century still? Yeah, yeah. He started two thousand and two thousand one. Shane Matthews would have been like thirty years old when that happened because he was with the Gators in the early nineties. He was like pre Danny Werfel. And uh, do you want any nineties bonuses? I'll just leave the floor open for you. Yeah, for okay. 90s so bonuses. Mike Tomzak, uh, yeah. Neil was Neil O'Donnell there? Uh, no. Steve Walsh was he Steve there? Steve Walsh was there. Yes. Uh, is there a guy with three names? You really want this guy with three names, but I don't see one. There was a the it was a guy from like Florida State. Oh, Peter Tom Willis. Oh, I don't think he ever started, but okay. I remember him. Um, Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh's right. Um, Eric Kramer. Did Correct. I say that already? Yep. Uh, was Scott Mitchell? No, he wasn't there. Um, there is a number a two overall one. bust. Rick Meyer. <laughs> yes, yep. in 1997, yep. he started yep. three games. Uh, There's got to be other crappy quarterbacks. Uh, you've pretty much hit the big ones there. You also have uh, Moses Moreno started uh, yes. the game. Steve Stenstrom. Yep, Stanford. Played for Bill Walsh at Stanford. That one I have no recollection of. Yep, played at, played at Stanford before Walsh, uh, like when Walsh went there after being with the 49ers, I believe. And that's that's pretty much it. Why that is a wow bears a terrible list. My gosh. Hopefully, uh, for any Bears fans that may be listening to this, hopefully they get that quarterback situation resolved because it won't be Jay Cutler. I think we know that, but uh, I don't think they, it's Matt Barkley. No, they need somebody, and you know the guys at the top of the draft this year. We'll see, but I poor, have, have a feeling they'll be in the market. Poor Matt Barkley on a conference call today. Just like it's a thing the NFL makes you do. Yep. That you have to have a player call the other team's media and talk, and it's just what in the world are we going to ask Matt Barkley? Uh, yeah, Matt, we have no interest. In, this is a preseason game, essentially. Matt, people will be doing quarterback trivia years from now, and your name will come up. How does that make you feel? This is the <laughs> first preseason game of the 2017 season. Uh, I want to spend like a minute and a half or less making predictions for this game. Because it doesn't matter. I think the Vikings win. I, I they're a better team than the Bears. I don't think they lay an egg twice against them. I think they'll want to finish eight and eight and reclaim some pride. Uh, like sixteen to ten, it'll be a snoozer. I, I think they win. Sure, I predict that I'll be there, and so will the Vikings and Bears. Yep. I don't know if I could predict how much attention I'll pay to the game. Yeah. I I mean it's I I'm just kidding, but. 
Yikes. They'll play football. Yep. That will happen. On New Year's Day, we um, will be there for it. Should be uh, should be thrilling. I mean, I suppose we'll do another purple podcast Sunday oh, yeah. afternoon. We'll, we will uh, we will be more riveting on that than uh, probably anything you see during the actual game. The sports crunch, of course, will be with us. Judd Zolgad ringing in the new year with his hottest of takes about what went wrong. What went wrong with the 2016 Vikings? We will break down the season finale. We will look ahead to what should be a very eventful off season. And who knows what else will come up on the final Sunday of the 2016 regular season. Thanks for listening to this edition. We will talk to you Sunday.